This is Mindset Rx, the podcast made especially for leaders, CEOs, and spiritual entrepreneurs who have ADHD or think they might. It's also for those of you who are asking big questions like, is this all there is? What's next? And what's my purpose? I'm your host, Dr. Robin McKay. I'm an award-winning psychologist and author, spiritual advisor to leaders in tech, healthcare, and entrepreneurship, and I'm a dog mom to my golden doodle puppy, Cooper Mac. Oh, and by the way, I also happen to have ADHD too. You can count on me and my world-class guests to bring you divine prescriptions for making the best of your brain, maximizing your strengths, and recalibrating your perspective so you can lean into your highest potential. See, I believe that neurodiverse, intuitive, intelligent leaders like you and me are wired for this time. We're here to create a new world for ourselves and other people. So it's time to anchor in and bring our visions into reality. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to get Brianna Gunn here on the show with me today. I was just saying before we started recording, I feel like we know each other so well because we've been in the same circles for so long. So this will be a real fun conversation for us to be in today and for you all to listen in. But let me introduce you first. You are a messaging and funnel specialist and you work with business owners and entrepreneurs to create messaging and processes that inspire loyalty, momentum, and action that leverages trust, authenticity, and profitability. And I'm so excited to have you here. Where can people find you in social media land in case they want to learn more about you as they're listening to us today? If you're in social media land, I'm everywhere but Twitter. <laughs> you can find me at the Brianna Gun. I do have a Twitter account. I just don't use it because it makes me irritated. And my ADHD and Twitter don't get along. So, <laughs> How do you do anything in 140 characters? Well, it's now 208, 260, oh. 280, but still, I think, I think the thing with Twitter for me is it became a very like vortex type situation where I would lose out, like kind of like people, you know, like the TikTok vortex or the, you know, you find that platform that just sucks you in and then you're gone. And, you know, before I was diagnosed with ADHD, I would spend hours on in the rabbit media. hole. In the yeah, rabbit hole. and then I and then you know where did that time go? And since I've been diagnosed, I'm much more aware of how I spend my time. I took all my social apps off my phone. Like I, I, I went really. I got very strategic about what I allow. I even for a short time, there's a, I don't even remember what the name of it is, but there's a website or an app that will block your access to social media on your computer. <laughs> Like I went full bore, like cannot do this anymore. And then I realized part of my inspiration comes from that mindless scrolling that, that I need that piece in some way to spark inspiration for me. So I had to figure out how to balance the two, especially as a, you know, I'm a content creator. I help people create the words that they use to sell their programs and their products. And if I'm not inspired, that sucks for them. Well, it sucks for your business too. Yeah, it does. Cause then I wouldn't have a business. <laughs> <I worked laughs> really scrolling, down. scrolling, scrolling. Yeah. I, when you were saying that I was reflecting that, you know, my background is as a psychologist, I worked with gifted and talented kids for literally years. I still, now I just work with gifted and talented adult humans instead. But one of the things that we said way back in the day when we were teaching people just about 
their creative personalities is that you have the capacity to drop into flow. And the example that I would give is that there's a difference between being in the zone and zoning out. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, you can't go into flow or be in the zone if you're you know, shopping on Nordstrom.com. And my mentor, Barb said, unless you are a fashion designer or a stylist, and then you most certainly can. The same is true for you with social media because of how your brain operates. You're constantly scanning for the connections and thinking about how does, you know, how does this content or this topic relate to my client's messaging or whatever and, and building those bridges and connections. So we have to be careful not to make ourselves wrong for the scroll, but there is a fine line, isn't there, between that mindless scrolling I can tell when I'm in mindless scrolling because I'll watch Dr. Pimple Popper. I can't believe I just admitted that. Oh no, I do the same thing. Like it's I'm like, that is, that is my, I can't look away. It's like, I know. That, you might be, I'm Jen, are you Gen X? I'm technically, I'm- You're, cus you're cuspy, aren't you? I'm you're like X so I'm very cuspy okay. between yeah. Gen X and millennials, but okay. I don't really identify with either. I'm a zennial, I guess. <laughs> I like there's well, I think I am too. I'm pure Gen X, but what I was going to share is that there was you would be too young for this. I was just trying to contextualize like how old I was. There was a, an interview with Madonna on David Letterman. And it was like at the time Madonna was like the shit and Letterman was hot as well and she gets on and it's just a shit show. Like seriously, I kept on waiting for it to get better and it never got better, I, but I couldn't look away. Yeah. And that's how I feel with Dr. Pimple Popper. It's the same. It's I like Madonna and Letterman like over and over again. Oh. Like this, like, except for the last one, but I, I'll watch and I'm like, this has to get better. Like, did they really, like how they spent, this has to get better. No. And you know what I do with that because of my psychology, I'm like, I'm always reading into like, what's the underlying message here? What signals yep. are they sending us about what they've got planned for us in the future and all that nonsense too. Oh, the, only, the, the, the dancing shark on the, um, Katy Perry one, remember he was going the wrong way. I'm like, what's yep. that? What's that? Like, actually? Why are they backwards? They're not, I don't know. I know. My I sometimes like, feel fun to watch stuff with. I'm like, no, I sometimes feel like I'm that dancing shark going backwards <laughs> maybe on our maybe our listeners can relate can you relate you know so so track her down on instagram i like i like watching you on insta and okay. i think we're also on facebook as well but there's just you know you just there's nothing more real than a content writer who's real well and i think a lot of it i think a lot of people especially business owners feel like they have to do all the things and content is everywhere. Like it's the words you use, it's emails you send, it's the social posts, it's literally the way you communicate. And so I think people, I think people get a little like me, I know, especially like I, I put this, this expectation of perfection on myself and it causes me to like freeze up and not you know, not be like, oh, this isn't good enough to post or, oh, that's too complaining or, oh, that's too happy or, oh, that's too this. And I, and I found that for me with the way my brain works, taking like a 30 day break, when I start to get so crit crit critical, 
that's the word I was looking for, so critical with how I present myself or how I appear that sometimes just stepping back completely is enough of like a clearing exercise to allow me to reset. Um, I'm actually just getting ready to come back and get back into social media this week because I've, I've literally been camping and off, off the grid for the last month or so, I which love has it. been crazy because my brain is not wired to relax. No. At all. Well, let's talk about content creation and ADHD brains. Okay. So let's circle back to what we needed to talk about today, which is your ADHD story, like how you were diagnosed, because that's going to play into the conversation we're going to have about content creation and copy yeah. and all those good things. So when, what was, what's the story? So I was diagnosed because I had a full on panic attack, like full breakdown in my closet on the floor, you know, infantile position. My husband came home, asked the kids, where's mom? And she, and they're like, we don't know. Cause I literally just told him, I just need some space. And they know, they know I'm in my room, but like they hadn't seen me in a while. And so he is of course can't like, what do you mean? You don't know where she is. So he comes into our room and he, he looks at me and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't think so. I'm like bawling. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what can I do? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, you need some help. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. And so I called my doctor the next day and I was like, so I ended up on the floor in tears. She's like, come in tomorrow. I'm like, great. Went in and, and, you know, this was very early in the pan. This was like May of 2020. And we started talking. She's like, what changed? I'm like, well, everything, you know, uh, three months ago, I wouldn't have had to wear a mask here. Like my gym is closed. Like all of my coping mechanisms that I had been using to manage my ADHD were gone. Cause I was very, I'm, I've, I have a very regimented schedule. Like it, everything has to happen at a certain time on a certain day. And I know and, and that was how I coped. That's how I figured out how to manage my brain was to have a, at this time, this happens at this time, this happens. And when things didn't happen the way I thought they should, I would not function very well for the rest of the day. And so, you know, two months of managing without my schedule and having everybody home just kind of broke me really. Mm-hmm. And we started talking and she's like, you know, this really doesn't sound like depression. It sounds like ADHD. And I was like, are you sure? She's like, we're going to get some testing done, make sure that that's what's going on. Um, so we did. And sure enough. Um, and so we, we tried some, you know, herbal, med- herbal things and they didn't really help. So I ended up being on medication because it's the only thing that helped. Tried like eight different ones. Um, finally landed on Adderall, which helps a ton. But um, in the meantime, also discovered that in addition to my, my ADHD, my ADHD triggers my anxiety. Mm-hmm. So it's this like constant pull of if I forget to take my meds and my ADHD runs rampant, then my anxiety spikes. And then I'm, and then I'm back in the closet crying on the floor. And so it's, it's making sure that I, I do take my medications. It's making sure that, um, you know, I communicate, my kids know, my husband knows, and they will literally say to me, like, are you zoning out on purpose right now? Are you like, I like they, they know, you know, when I need a break or I'll, I, or I try to communicate like, Hey guys, my brain is full. I have like so many things like I need, I need 20 minutes to just not do anything. And they're pretty respectful of that for the most part. But there are times when I forget, I think I said it out loud <laughs> and then I didn't. And um, you get that so, telep- telepathy going and you're like, yeah, you didn't someday, get the memo. No, like, what, are, what are we doing? Yeah. 
Um, and so I've gotten better about communicating. And now that my, both my boys, um, my youngest was diagnosed with ADHD last month and my oldest, um, we're waiting for his results, but pretty, yeah. pretty Chances sure. are quite good. Yeah. Chances are very so good. So you've got an ADHD household. We do. And it's so bizarre because my ADHD behaves differently than my eight-year-old's ADHD, who also has ODD which is a mm-hmm. um, oppositional defiance disorder. Mm-hmm. So his, his manifests very differently than mine does. And my oldest son's, he zones out on video games. And that's his, like how he copes. And so it's really even interesting from a, from a, you know, an observant perspective to see how everyone handles things differently. And, you know, it, once I got my diagnosis, I started looking at like how I structure my day. And, you know, my absolute need for a paper calendar, my, like, it's not a negotiable. I can't not have one. And yes, I have Google calendars. I do guys. And I have, I know, I know, but no, there's something about paper. There's something about paper. There is. And I, every morning, the first thing I do is I sit and I write out all of my appointments for the day. I've tried doing it the night before I've tried doing it the week. It has to be that morning because then I'm consciously looking at the dates and the times and the person And, you know, I'm mentally prepared to show up in the way I need to show up for that appointment. You know, isn't it interesting that, um, that what I'm picking up on as I'm listening to you is that hypervigilance about our calendars. And this is something that is so common among entrepreneurs who happen to have ADHD is that, oh my God, like missing a, missing a appointment for me is like a death gargle in my life. I spin and it's gotten better over time. Mm-hmm. But to your point about writing down, we have a, uh, I got magnet white, like a whiteboard, like sticky things they put on the refrigerator oh. and you would love it every day. I write our account. I write down everything because both my husband and I have ADHD. Yep. They manifest very differently. He's the cupboard lever opener. I'm the lid lever offer. Like yep. I'm the, I don't, don't make me fold the damn clothes. He's the, we have to have all the clothes, like the whole thing. We've got this whole thing going on, but that calendar is sort of every morning, I'll just get up and write it down. And I, we were traveling, we were in San Diego for a couple of weeks. I didn't bring it with us. And there was something that just wasn't quite right about the day to not have that. That has been a game changer just in terms of, to your point, organizing my day. So I know, and my husband knows more importantly, that, oh, Robin's got a podcast she's recording right now. So I should probably, you know, not, not knock on, yeah, yeah. Or knock on her door, or just pop into her office or whatever. So all of these kind of strategies that we put into place are, they're, they're not mechanisms for survival. They're actually allowing us to thrive. And yet the ADHD brain often will say, I don't like structure. Don't, well, I, yeah. don't put, I don't put baby in a corner. That right. kind of energy. Like I, I was talking to somebody about, you know, getting like, cause everyone's like, well, how with, if your brain's all over the place, how do you get stuff done? And it's, it is, you have to have structure, but like calling it time blocking grates on me. I'm I don't want to time block. Oh, I hate I that. Do. Don't, don't make me time block and don't tell me to batch things either, even though batching right. don't, do, really don't do that. <laughs> but then I naturally do it like, because yeah. that's how it works for me. And I figured out, you know, 
these three clients are in alignment. They have similar fields. They have similar avenues. So I'm going to work on these three people today. Tomorrow, I'm going to work on this person because they're very different than these three. I've, I've, I've started to batch client work in that I, I know what I can accomplish in a given day. And then I take a look at, you know, and the other piece, I love the whiteboard idea. My husband and I share our Google, our Google calendar. Well, he shares his outlook because he works for university and they're old school, but, and I share my Google so that, cause he lives and dies by his digital calendar. So he won't pay attention to the whiteboard on the fridge or the, or the written down calendar that I keep but he will pay attention. So he gets to see my whole day. So he knows like, don't call Bri at two because I naturally want to answer the calls. And, you know, and it, it gets very awkward when I'm like, you know, he calls three times and I don't talk to him at all. And that, and then I feel guilty for not being able to answer. And he knows it sends me into kind of not a shame spiral, but almost like a resentment that I had to be here. I couldn't do the thing I wanted to because I really do want to talk to him. I really do want to do the thing. And it has also helped the structure piece with my kids, you know, I mentioned we went camping. We, we took a two week road trip and then we just did a weekend camping trip as a family. And we structured our days down to the literal minute without even realizing it. Like we, we knew the night before what time we were going to wake up. We knew what time we were going to be on the road. We knew what time we were going to stop for lunch. We knew what activities I had their snack things packed. We, we had our little routine and I got we got home and I didn't take my paper calendar with me and Josh pulled out a bunch of sticky notes. He's like, you mean this? I had been writing down with, like, it didn't even occur to me. I had been writing down the things I needed to do on like a checklist on, cause I brought sticky notes with me in case I needed to take notes on a call or something. Cause I was partially working some of the time. Mm-hmm. It's so good. So funny it's- how you don't even think about it, but you do it anyway. And I think that when I got diagnosed, I was in grad school. Mm-hmm. So I remember I took, I was working at the university counseling center. I had clients who had ADHD and I was like, I'm just going to go take the WebMD ADHD quiz and see what, of course, there's something validating mm-hmm. about having even if it's just a WebMD thing. And of course I went through formal text testing and everything as well. But um, that was like the first time I was like, finally, I understand my brain. And then the retrospective, being able to look back at your whole life and say, oh my God, that's why, that's why I got into trouble for whatever doodling. I never got in trouble for talking too much. I got in trouble for doodling and daydreaming during class. I was a talking too much person, but I was also an overscheduled person in high school. Mm-hmm. I got to school at 6:30 in the morning for zero hour. And I got home at 10 o'clock at night because I was in choir and band yeah. and color guard and cheerleading and drama and all the things your book and all the things. And I, I look like, like the retrospective thing, I look back and I'm like, I have this habit, which since my, since I'm more aware of it now, you know, I, I was taking on too many clients. I, like, I tend to overschedule myself because I'm afraid that if I have space, if I have downtime, then something bad will happen. I can't explain it beyond that, but it's one of those things where it's like, it's almost like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like if I sit down and read a book, what am I not doing? 
And so knowing that ADHD causes you to need to have, like I've started to, okay, it's okay to not work after five o'clock. It's okay to knit and watch TV. It's okay to read a book and reprogramming it so that, or reprogramming the way I talk to myself and the way I handle client work and bring, bringing on contractors who can fill my gaps. You know, I have an OBM who handles my calendar now, who handles client scheduling, who does those pieces because I'm not good at them. Isn't that such a blessing to have our assistants and the OBMs who are, oh my God, who she are went on exceptional? For two weeks and I, I like, I said her, I was like, I, oh my God, <laughs> I don't know how I, how I survived for two weeks without you, but we did it for years. You know, I had to, I had to make the rule for myself. Like, listen, I'm the leader of my business and I'm kind of a Nazi about my calendar. Like I do not like, like when I, when my calendar gets screwed up, it just, as I said, sends me into a spin. Mm -hmm. So I had to make the rule that I'm not allowed to schedule my own appointments anymore. Yep. And so I had Brandy make the link and send the link to all the clients. And I still have, I've got a couple of clients who've been with me for literally years. And since the beginning of my business, they've been with me and they're like, can I be above the link? And I'm like, I guess, but there's a constant like challenge with people pleasing and also wanting people, you know, there's all of these things that the inner turmoil that the schedule and the time create the relationship to the schedule and the time create can be really kind of painful. And I've said for a long time that it's right now we're at a period of time where it's, it's important to recalibrate our relationship with time, with work, with money, and all of the things that go into business. And I think that people with ADHD are actually really well positioned to recalibrate, to have a different relationship with time. Since we are so good at losing track of it, time blindness is something that often happens. And I think it's interesting. We talk about time blindness, by the way, have you looked on Instagram at how many ADHD coaches there are? Oh, there's a ridiculous amount. I'm also on TikTok and it's all. Oh my God. Oh my God. I was like, I, you know, I just started talking. I've just started talking about ADHD a couple months ago and even just inviting people onto the podcast, everyone are raising their hands saying, yeah, that's me. So they talk a lot of them, not all of them, but there's a lot of talk about time blindness in a kind of negative way. But I look at flow the consciousness state where you lose track of time, you become completely absorbed and engaged and you're at your most creative. Mm -hmm. So is that time blindness or is that flow? When you're working on client work, what is that for you? I think, I think that's a really, really good point. And I think that when you're working on something, whether it's content or whatever your thing is in your business or in your life, if you enjoy that activity, you talk about it differently, then that's flow. That's great. But when you're doing something that has the taxes has to get done, have to look at it, don't want to, but you end up spending six hours. Then then we label that time blindness. And I got lost and every, but they're really the same thing. And I, I think it's all about how you, how you perceive those, those sections of time where you, where you're lost, because are you actually lost or are you doing the thing you're supposed to be doing in the moment and, and producing something that could be even better? Like for me, 
I don't love writing nurture copy. I don't love writing emails that are weekly email. Like I do them for clients and especially clients I've had for a long time. Like they can't live without it. Great. I'll do it for you. But for newer clients, like for their nurture stuff, I hired another contractor who is really good at them and loves doing them. I love the sales piece. I love the, I love changing someone's mind and all of those pieces. So I figured out for me, it's, it's being very purposeful in what I'm focusing on in a given day and understanding that those other pieces that have to get done don't necessarily have to get done by me. So that, and I, I'm finding I have a lot fewer instances where I would consider myself squirreling or time blind or any of those because I'm not avoiding something that I don't mm, want to do. So good. It reminds me, there's a, a word we use in gifted and talented psychology, which is multi-potential, meaning you have the capacity to do a lot of things well, even things you hate. And I think that that kind of, that confluence of the ADHD, the multi-potentiality, the capacity, you can do a lot of things. You can write nurture sequences. Oh yeah. I can, I, I, can, I, can I can schedule. I am completely capable of scheduling my own clients. Mm-hmm. And you reach a certain point in leadership and hopefully psychological maturity where you're like, but is this the best use of my time? Would I pay somebody else $750 an hour to schedule this for me? Because that's essentially what we're doing when we're doing things we don't like is paying our salary or our hourly rate to do something that, you know, somebody who is a virtual assistant or an OBM would happily do and be good at it and enjoy. So it really is this discernment, isn't it? That comes forward when you really start looking at given the state, the state and the trait of my brain, given how I operate in the world, what's the best use of my time, my energy, my abilities, and so on. And if we can stay focused there, I think that that's where we're the most influential Mm -hmm. in the work that we do. Does that make sense? Totally. I actually, um, years ago when I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grow up in the, in the digital world, because when I started my business 13 years ago, this wasn't a thing. Like people literally looked at me when I said I worked in the online space, like I was nuts. They still do, but it's a little bit more explainable now versus, oh, you're a mommy blogger. No, I'm not like, no. Um, but I, like the furthest thing from, from what you are as a mommy blogger, not that there's anything wrong with mommy bloggers. No. And I had a mommy blog for a long time. I sold it, but, um, it wasn't because it wasn't the best use of my time and it needed to go. Um, but I had a mentor who was like, you know, you're doing all the things in your business, but you're not doing any of them well. And I stopped and she's like, I want you to make like a four square on a sheet. And I want you to write down everything you do, but I want you to categorize it. Things you love, things you like, things you don't want to do and things you avoid. And so I started doing that and I was shocked by how much ended up in the things I avoid pile. And, you know, she's like, you're at the point where you start hiring help. And I was like, there's no way. And she was like, no, like you can't afford not to. And so I, I hired my first assistant and said, this is your stuff that handle, like, this is what I need you to handle. And it chain it flipped a switch it changed the way I I treated my business and it changed the way I treated my own time 
And then since getting diagnosed with ADHD, I've gotten better about doing that same four square, like once a quarter, what am I still holding on to that I don't need to be holding on to anymore? What am I, and I asked my team to do the same thing. I'm like, Hey, would you please let me know what you are loving and what you're not liking? So that if we need to hire additional help or we need to shift the, the load, uh, because I, you know, I, I have ADHD. I need to be doing 18 things at once. Not really, but I, you know, I feel like I need to be doing everything all the time. And so if I don't have a way to harness that, then nothing gets done. But if I know I can stay in my genius zone and do just the things I'm really, really good at, or even the things I'm really, really good at and the things I like doing, and somebody else takes care of the other things that I would otherwise avoid or, or, you know, say, oh, I had time blindness. I didn't get it done. I'm sorry. Um, then, you know, stuff becomes, it becomes far more efficient and you're able to make decisions based on a place of empowerment versus a place of panic, which I think a lot of us with ADHD, we end up feeling like there's not enough time. Like time is squishing us. And so we end up making what I call, what I call in my world, panic decisions, where it's like, crap, it's the 11th hour. I have to decide right now. It's that whole, like, I work better under pressure. Trade secret. Nobody works better under pressure. Not a single human being on the planet. Oh, you're muted, Robin. Come on. That was the best thing I said all day. I like to ride the Yerky Dotson curve and the Yerky Dotson curve says that there is a, an optimal state of pressure or stress that creates optimal results. And so sometimes we use time as the compression mechanism, right? And you know, I can't, I can't tell you how many times in undergrad and in grad school that I was last minuting my papers because I could. And then I would get eight, like, what's the, what's the punishment for waiting until the last minute if you're getting A's all the time? Well, then in entrepreneurship, I find what people will do is they'll use money as the pressure. Mm -hmm. So I won't work, work, work. I won't be consistent. I'm going to wait until my bank account is dwindling. And then. Then I'm going to panic and reach out to everybody I know. And and yep. Yeah. And do that whole thing. And, you know, sometimes, and if you get rewarded for that, listen, I am really good at calling in large sums of money in a very short period of time. But the mastery for me has been how to do that consistently without that added, like adrenaline infused, you can see that kind of snarly look on my face, like without having it feel like it's a life or death situation. And we can do that with time or with money. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. And I, and I think that's a really valid point. You know, I, in my business, I do the same thing. I'm like, I've got, I've got a full client load and I've gotten better about, okay, this client is offboarding at this time, which means I need to, I need to find a client a month before that happens. So I don't have a gap. You know, it's so true. I was, I was reflecting, I had a corporate contract that lasted a while. Mm -hmm. So I'm working with these people and I'm loving it. Like I love working with my corporate clients. I love being able to teach them about breaking the busyness cycle. And we even talk about like time travel and because I work with tech. So they're all like, love it. Star, Star Trek, Star, like whatever we have sci-fi conversation. But I was so absorbed in that, that I, it, 
I was blind. I'm kind of future blind as, as visionary as I am, I can be very future blind mm -hmm. about what's coming down the pipeline, yep. what needs to, what needs to fill, what needs to come in. So that's an area of growth for me and my business. And I've gotten better at it, but it's still one of those things. Like you can get so absorbed in the current work that you're doing, at least for me and how my brain operates is that I don't always, because I'm in flow. Why, why do I have to look forward? I'm in flow now things. And all I always leave it to not always, I don't do that anymore, but I used to leave it to my future self. She'll figure it out. Yep. And I don't have to. Like, why didn't you work on this? Hey, what the like, what are you doing? I'm sorry. I'm swearing so much today. I guess we're going to have an explicit. I swear a lot. It's all, it's all good. <laughs> Me too. But no, I, I get the same. I get the same thing. Like I get in flow with the client. I literally just offboarded a client that were like, you know, we expected more. And I went through the contract. I was like, I delivered everything they asked for. So their experience and my experience were too. So I, we had to sit down and talk and like, well, we were hoping we could be at least 90 days ahead. And I said, per the conversation that we had, I said, I recommend planning 90 days ahead, not executing 90 days ahead. Mm. That's two very different things. Mm. Yep. But I also realized because of that whole situation and like, we're, we're on speaking terms. It's not, it wasn't a bad, it was just, they were like, you know, this isn't what we wanted. Great. They want someone who can produce content, like six months in advance. That's not what I do. And I don't recommend that for anybody actually, but well, there's so much that can change. The weather patterns can change so far in advance. And that's one of the challenges I think that we have too, as content creators yeah. is how I far in advance to, is too far. How far is too far? And when do the energy shift? So I used to, and I know that this has to do with ADHD and I'm really curious to your take on this. Okay. I used to be one of those people who, when I was, I write my own content, I write my own newsletters. Mm -hmm. I actually, I hired a copywriter early on in my business and she helped me with like early sales pages and just to get my legs under me and also to find my voice because mm -hmm. I was coming out of psychology and scholarly writing. I was coming out of the pharmaceutical industry and that dry, boring FDA writing. Yeah. And it took me about six months to reclaim my voice mm -hmm. as a leader in this, in this field. So I did for that purpose, hire her. And then right on the tail end of her contract, I wrote this copy that like, literally, I think I, I think I brought in it was over $30,000 within a 24 hour period. Mm -hmm. And that was at a time early in my business where I'm like, holy shit. Like, and my, the coach I was working with was like, fire your copywriter. <laughs> You're like, okay. So, okay. So just to share, that's, that's how I roll around here is just with writing my own copy for the most part. But what I used to do was wait until like, well, what's, what's meant to be written today. Mm -hmm. And then if I couldn't think of anything, I would sit there and go, I don't know. I don't know what's, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. So what I've shifted into is really being more mindful and deliberate about what I'm choosing to put into the ethers, what I'm choosing to contribute rather than waiting for some kind of intuition to come through and say, this is what needs to come through yeah. today. Does that make sense? It makes so, and that's actually very similar to how I write. Um, I was just on a call with a client before this, and I was like, I was like, can you say that again? She, and so she repeated herself, and I was like, 
I think we need to write a newsletter about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Here's you my logic. To, yeah. You have to pay attention and listen to what's going on in the present moment. But if you don't have anything going on, or if you're listening and there's nothing there, I think it's really important to have in your back pocket topics that you can always refer back to. Absolutely. And this is like, I tell everyone, whether you use a copywriter or not, you need to have content pillars. They will help you to stay in your lane in your business because it's very easy as a coach or a consultant or even as, as a marketing strategist to wander into the weeds, so to speak. And because we do have, especially ADHD years, we have such a large breadth of knowledge. We have a lot of experiences. We've dabbled in a lot of things. So it's, it's very easy to be like, oh, but I want to talk about dogs today. And so having pillars of content, like those key focus areas, everyone should know, like you should know what they are. You should know what your three to five core topics in your business are. So that when you are like, I don't know what to write about today, you can go back to those and go, do any of these spark me? And then there are other days when it's okay to not have an idea. Like there are, like I, summer is here. My kids are not in school. I don't work Mondays or Fridays during the summer. If I'm called to work or I'm like, oh, I have a good idea. Like I will totally come down and work for an hour or two. But most days we're at the water park or we're in the yard or we're, doing things. And I'm, I'm trying to consciously allow more space because for me and the way my ADHD functions, space is very scary. Unscheduled, unstructured space is like the antithesis of what I want to spend my time in. It is not, it's my, it's my nemesis. I do not like unstructured time. It's so funny because I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go daydream for a while. Actually, my book. and I were um, we're watching F Boy Island because we missed VH1 tremendously, <laughs> and we're treating it like Mystery Science Theater 3000. So we're literally commenting on the people as, <laughs> and we're both like cracking each other up. It's been fabulous, but like he was like, "Okay, we'll go to bed at 10. It's 10:02, and I'm literally like, I could feel the anxiety in my throat. I'm like, it's after 10. He's like, the episode's almost over. I'm like, but you said 10. Like I got so stuck on the 10, I could not let it go. And he looked at me and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't, I don't like it when I'm given a time or a date and it's not finite. I don't like that extra space around it. I, I, if you say 10, it's 10. And he's like, okay, so I need to adjust the way I talk. Like, that would be great. Like if we can just tweak it. 10-ish. 10-ish. 10 and I would have been okay with 10-ish, but like, if you say 10, I need like 10 is what I, my brain is like, okay, locked in. Well, and then that creates anxiety. Mm-hmm. I hate being late. Hate I do hate it. And I've got a husband who's time blind. So you can know every Sunday we are flying by the seat of our pants to church. Like there is just something about like, even though every Sunday we say, okay, we're not going to rush And, you know, since we really started understanding our household as an ADHD household, Mm -hmm. there's a kinder and gentler approach to even being late for stuff. Yeah. So, so this last Sunday, we, I looked at the time, I'm like, there is no way given where there's no way I said, so we are going to be completely okay with missing the first song. It will be okay. And you know what? It was the nicest drive to church. Because nobody was worried. There was no Mario Andretti on the freeway, like nothing like that. It was just like, 
rolling in about five minutes after the service started. It was fine. But I share that because I think that we put this pressure on ourselves to be perfect. Yeah. To have every dot I dotted and every T crossed. And yet the brain, especially, you know, this as a writer, the brain, when you're in flow, we skip over the Mm -hmm. details. Yep. I used to get in trouble when I worked in the pharmaceutical industry in trouble. What does that mean? Whatever. Uh, I was a medical writer and I can't see details. So I could write big concepts, but I would miss a conjunction. Mm-hmm. I would miss two spaces after the period because I was writing at the time when we still had two spaces yep. after the period. Like those were the things that I just literally couldn't see. So I had have to have somebody who was very detail oriented and also a little bit depressed go in and look oh. at the details. Cause you know that that's a perfect, that's a perfect mm-hmm. um intersection for editors is detail oriented and just a tiny bit depressed so that yeah, they're going to really hone in on the details. I just hired an because of the same situation because <laughs> I was like, I find myself like, I'm pretty good. Like I'll run everything through Grammarly and spell check and I plagiarize check everything because especially because I know I get inspiration when I'm scrolling social media or doing mm-hmm. other things. I don't ever want to accidentally plagiarize, you know, because I'm like, was I inspired? Did somebody already say that? Like, where did this come from? Do you want to know something? This is so weird. Yeah. Cause I'm, she's like, no, I don't want to know anything weird. Um, <laughs> so I was in grad school. I was still working in medical writing and I was in a class. I think it was like pharmaceutical something. So it was some clinical psychology class. And I was writing a paper on vagal nerve stimulators, which talk about a snooze fest, but I had to do it for this class. So it's 11 o'clock at night. The paper is probably due in the next 48 hours or whatever. And I'm on a roll. Like I'm interested in it. I'm curious about it. And I'm on WebMD. I'm on all the scholarly Google scholar and all the things. And all of a sudden this phrase drops into my head and it was the most beautifully, I I wrote it down. It's like, it was so beautiful. And it completely described what I was, what I was writing about. So I write it down. And then I'm like, how do I know that? Like, cause I needed references. Right. So I go to whatever Google scholar or whatever. The first article I pull up has that exact phrase. I'm like, I did not plagiarize that. I never saw it before, but of course I couldn't take credit for it because there's already evidence for it. Those things happen to those of us who are writers who are linguistically gifted. And yet we beat ourselves up because we forgot two spaces after a period. It's two different, it's two different abilities in the brain. Mm -hmm. And I think what happens for those of us who are linguistically talented, who are the writers and the communicators in the world is that we have to start giving ourselves a break and putting people in place around us who can catch the details that we miss without us feeling bad about it. Yeah. And, that and I think make that's sense? it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, but I love that you said it's without us feeling bad about it. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's my dad always told me because he's an entrepreneur has been his whole life. He always told me to hire people smarter than me, always hire people smarter than you. And I was like, okay, whatever. Cause I was 16, didn't care. I get it now. I need people who fill the gaps and think bigger about different things than I think big about. Like, like I love, I, I love it. You know, I, I'm like, well, there aren't very many people smarter than you, like literally from a 
intelligence perspective, right, that's, but, that's really hard. But when you look at people who are experts in different areas, yes, in different exactly. subject matter, in different ways of looking at content, looking at business, that's, I think, probably, I don't know if I, I, I take umbrage to smarter because I'm like, I don't know if that's actually well, it's possible for things. some of us. And I don't mean that arrogantly. I just mean no. like on a normal distribution curve, that's hard. But when you're looking at who's, who's the best person for this job, mm-hmm or for this role, it ain't me. Right, well, and it's figuring out, like if you've taken any of the personality tests, whether you, it's Myers-Briggs or you know your your um, human design. Or my, my knee, how about my Neo? Let's just plug my Neo. Yeah, that one, you've also, I mean, there's so many out there, the disc, the whatnot. If you know what your strengths are, then you know what your weaknesses are. And if you can hire people who excel at your weaknesses, those, those people, that's their strength. That's what they like to do. That brings them joy. And so it it balances. And, and I think that, especially for those of us who like everyone that I know who has ADHD has a habit of, I have to be good at all the things. Like it. Yeah. And in part, because you can figure things out pretty quickly make sense of things and know what to do about them. And so, but there's that, I think that when you see if this is true for you, when I was a kid, it was be well-rounded and I'm using air quotes here, Mm -hmm. but what well-rounded meant for me was be perfect at everything. Yep. Yep. Be well-rounded, get straight A's, be the teacher's pet, get being gifted classes, Mm -hmm. be the cheerleader, be the, you know, go to the prom, all the things. And when we start looking at, first of all, we know that leaders are decidedly not well-rounded. Right. And so I think that collectively, we as women especially need to start looking at where are we still holding that old story about having to be well-rounded or be good at everything, be perfect at everything, letting go of that. Because you know that some of the dudes in entrepreneurship absolutely acknowledge that they're not good at everything. Yeah, and I I think the power lies especially for ADHDers in business, the power lies in recognizing that it's okay to not know something well. It's okay to have a surface level understanding of entreport, for example, if you have an entreport expert in your company. It's okay to have a surface level understanding of how the content gets created if you have a content creator. You don't have to know all the things. I Can I build a website? Yeah. Do I want to? No. You know, it's it's I, you know, especially as we're starting out, we have to piecemeal a lot of things together because most of us don't have mommy or daddy handing us money or a business that we sold. We're bootstrapping, truly bootstrapping. And when you're bootstrapping, you just figure it out. And if you're ADHD, you figure out pretty fast that whatever you touch is pretty, pretty okay. It's not going to win you gold stars, but it's also not going to be like, well, she did that by herself. So you get used to, I'll just do it myself. It's faster if I do it myself. I'll just take care of it myself. When, and what you don't realize is that because of time blindness, because of all the things we talked about, you end up spending so much, expending more energy trying to, trying to jury rig everything together, trying to piecemeal it than if you had slowed down a little bit and said, okay, is this necessary? Is this needed? You know, we see everybody else doing it. Therefore we have to do it. Oh, well, in order to be a successful copywriter, I need to have a podcast too. So we go do, you know what I mean? And it's, 
it's, you know, if you're like me, I hit a wall where I was, I was literally showing up everywhere all the time. And I literally made myself sick. It's not worth it. And so it's, it's giving yourself permission and space as challenging as that may be to hand pieces off and to recognize, you know, it's okay that I'm not excellent at everything. It's okay that I'm not excellent at everything and be, you know, there's, we, we talk about to ADHD in the context of just flat out intelligence, being able to figure things out quickly, make sense of things, know what to do about them processing speed. So we're kind of looking at this intersectionality or what we call twice exceptionality in, in gifted ed. And I pulled my book, smart girls, because there's a sentence in here that I wanted to read and now I can't find it. So give me just a second. There's something about, oh yeah, here it is. This is written about kids, but it still applies to us. Most children with ADD or ADHD seem to have an inflated idea of their abilities, particularly in their weakest area. They've learned to cover up their problems with bravado. Smart girls with ADD often challenge, often insist on very challenging projects because they are intuitively aware that they have the intellectual skills, but they are perpetually unaware of how their disorganization will sabotage their best efforts. That I think in a nutshell is such an important thing to look at when you're leading a company. Like, where am I perpetually unaware of my weaknesses? Right. And, and I think when you start to, that's, that's why that Foursquare activity was so eye-opening to me because there was mm-hmm. so much in the, I avoid it and I can't, and I don't do this mm-hmm. well. And it was, it was like, like I was depressed for a good amount of time. Like I was like, I'm not amazing at everything because you just, you just push through. Mm-hmm. I was never okay. like, I was never the most flexible person. I was never the best dancer. I was never the best singer, but I had to be great at everything. And so, and, and, you know, releasing that and, and giving yourself the space to really hone the skills that you are excellent at changes the game. It does because you're focusing all of your attention, your awareness, and your ability in the service of your gifts Mm -hmm. that can have a what much wider influence than if you're diffusing your energy experience and so on. And I think that that gets at kind of the heart of that perceived competence. What if I'm not as good as I think I am? What if everybody hates what I'm doing? So I'm going to diffuse what I'm doing so that, you know, when I do a lot of things instead of one, one thing that I'm really good at, I'm going to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. I think that that's the challenge, right? As, as we grow as leaders is no, I'm going to be a master. I am a master. It's a constant struggle, right? It's, I know how to do so many things in the online space. I have done so many different jobs, so many different things. My business has morphed, but it's just in the last couple of years that I've realized, like, I don't, the things I don't like to do, I'm not going to do them anymore. And being okay with that. And the sooner you get there, the more the more money. Don't take 40 years to get there. No, don't. Like, there's no need to. Um, but you have to get out of your own way to do that. Mm-hmm. 
So you have at- to be okay accepting help because you can't you can't run a six, seven, or eight figure business by yourself. Mm-mm. Nope. Sure can't. So as we wrap up today, anything else we missed that's something that you want to talk about? The only thing that I, I, we, we kind of touched on it, like with, you know, how I got diagnosed, but like, if you suspect you have ADHD or any type of cognitive um, differences, it's not a scary thing to go talk to somebody about it or take an online test. Like it's like you said, Mm -hmm. so validating to go, I am okay. Like, this is my mom. Yeah. You know, you're so right. I was Denise Duffield Thomas just, you know, she's the Aussie money lady. Um, she just recorded a podcast that she was diagnosed with ADHD in the last couple of years. And she describes going into her doctor's office after waiting months to get in with kind of a timeline as though she didn't say this, this is my interpretation. She needed to prove to the clinician that, no, this is why I think I have this. And there's still that stamp of validation. Now, I'm not even saying that people need to get, you know, sometimes medication works. Mm-hmm. I'm not on anything right now. I use my caffeine and I use my herbal supplements and all the things to focus. Um, and I've done a lot of energy work as well, which has been really a game changer for me, just in terms of recalibrating my brain and kind of rewiring it so that I can focus better. But um Regardless, there is something about, you don't have to wear it like a badge of honor or a badge of shame at all. It just is helping you understand yourself better Mm -hmm. so that you can go out and do your work in the world rather than being kind of subject to it. Like you're being led around with a ring in your nose by these symptoms that you can't name. There's some, there's a power in naming them. Yeah. And it allows you to give yourself the space to make adjustments Mm -hmm. that will allow you to function at a higher capacity you know, if you know, you need more time to complete a task. Like I went from saying I had a 72 hour turnaround time to telling people seven to 10 days. Yeah. Can I do it? Expansiveness. Should I do it? No, no, no. I just know that for me, I've known for a long time that my husband had ADHD and I did too, but we never named it in our marriage. We never named it as like, this is how our brains actually function. And when I started talking about this on my podcast and in my, in my work with spiritual entrepreneurs and leaders, when we started using this language in our lives too, and it, it's changed our, we've always had a good marriage. Mm -hmm. It's just made everything a little bit more lighthearted. We're a little bit more understanding. I had my husband's car keys in my purse yesterday and he's tearing the house apart, looking for them. He's like, what? Oh yeah. We've done that. So no, many, like, you know, and then, glasses on his head. And yeah. And- so, you know, we just, <laughs> when you approach those things with kind of good humor and please don't make me process this because you know why I made a quick assumption. And then I forgot because that's kind of my MO. So kindness and gentleness to yourself and to the people around you who have differences in our brains, I think is really important here. And, you know, the thing I love about you, Brie, is that you are so pragmatic about it and, and you bring your best self into your work and you bring your best self to your, to your clients. And I think that there's something to this in the content of these podcasts, as I'm interviewing women like you who are exceptional business owners, and we happen to have this difference in our brains. 
Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's certainly not a death sense at any way. I'm still, the jury's still out for me on whether or not it's a superpower, but I know it's not a death sense. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that any, anything is a superpower, but I definitely think it's one of the things that makes me really good at what I do. You're super creative and we know creativity, the creative personality and the symptoms of ADHD are two sides of the same coin. Yep. So if you are wondering about a diagnosis for ADHD, I also want you to be evaluated for the creative personality because so often, so often they go hand in hand and my, the Neo, you referred to all those assessments. The Neo is the only one that gets out the creative personality. So no pressure, but I'm here for you. All right. We're going to wrap up for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We will put all of Bree's social media links in the show notes and I will see everybody next time. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. See you later. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Mindset RX is in the books. Let me know if this was helpful. If you found it inspiring, be sure to share it to social media. And if you think someone in your life would appreciate it, then send them the link. And if you do share it on social media, be sure to tag me at dr.robinmckay. Okay. That's going to be it for today's episode. If you loved what you learned today, I'd love it if you'd leave a review on the podcast so that more people can join us on this journey. Thanks so much for tuning in and I will chat with you again next time.